Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. And that's it, it's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. This is episode 41 of For Future Considerations, our second show of the week, one we like to call The OT. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about everything and anything in the world of sports. My name's Manny Pava, along with the boys here today, John Rashad and Matt Dumichel. Matt, how's it going, bud? Manny, I'm excellent. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> John, how you doing? Good, good, very good. Oh man, I'm I'm going a little stir crazy here. The Montreal Canadiens oh, haven't geez. played in a couple of days. I was just about to ask you if you had dried out from the last show. You've been celebrating nonstop, haven't you? I'm amazed they haven't just called the season at this point. Just give it to them, right? <laughs> oh, play the song again, John. Come on, do it for me. <laughs> oh, boys. Uh, good to have you back again for the OT. Uh, lots to talk about on the show today. We'll talk a little hockey, of course. But uh, speaking of hockey, a big congratulations to Andrew Parrott, Brendan mm. Hoffman, Ryan Beck, and Ryan Humphrey on the very successful Flow Hockey Showcase in Erie, Pennsylvania. It wraps up this weekend. Yeah, and it was awesome. Outstanding stuff. Uh, we got a chance to watch a, a couple of games, and uh, and the intensity was there right right from the get-go. They've done a great job uh Pushing the uh, the games and uh, and getting the information out there. Out really, it's been an outstanding from from the outside looking in, um, an outstanding run tournament. Over 110 players taking part. Scouts from more than 25 NHL teams there, as well as scouts from other scouting mm-hmm. networks that are there. By all accounts, of fabulously run tournament congratulations to the boys we're going to talk a lot of hockey on the ot today with our special guest coming up shortly but we also want to talk about some soccer euro 2020 uh, yeah are we talking oh my god <laughs> ole, oh. Ole, ole, ole. manny is one cheer for everything have you noticed that <laughs> and did, and did the, the philadelphia eagles do anything they're they're bringing yeah. back randall cunningham or what, what? we're gonna shock the world oh, we're baby. gonna talk about this just like the montreal canadians Woo! <laughs> so Euro 2020 begins a year late because of the pandemic. Uh, gee, will you be watching Manny and which country will be your team? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we know the answer to that. Like the Portuguese might have the best offense in this tournament from Ronaldo to the most prolific goal scorer in soccer history to Bruno Fernandes to João Felix to Bernardo Silva, these guys, if if there's one downfall on Portugal, it's their defense because their offense is so good. I don't like it that they're in the group of death. They're in the group with France and Germany. Yep. That's really, really tough group. And I hate that it comes to that because one really good team, one really good country is going to be eliminated before they get to the 
playoff rounds, quote unquote. So with them being so offensive, like you're saying, we got a chance to see like a two-one match or something like that. This uh, in the Euro, three nil, four nil, five four nil. It's a chess match. Oh, Soccer's fantastic. Goodness. It's why they call it the beautiful game. It is. Pick a country already. Who are you cheering for? I want to get. I want to go a dark horse. I want to go. Do they have one of those those apps that you're like, what color is your favorite? What's your favorite meal? And then somehow it gives you a country to pick. Sure, you do that. I'm gonna say. um, I'm looking at the list right now of of some of the favorites. If there was, if this was a two-team tournament, the last I'd be taking the other team. Come on, the last time this tournament was held, John, it was my first year down in Windsor. Portugal won it all. Uh, They did. We're the defending champs. I know. I could hear you from here. (laughs) Yes, Matt was there to witness it. He took part in the parade. Well, there was a parade. Yes, we were down Olet Avenue. I've never seen so many Portuguese people. So, how would you not cheer for Portugal then? Because uh, I don't want you to win. <laughs> <laughs> See, the truth comes out. He's just. I'm gonna take. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know who any of these teams. John, are. who are you gonna take? I, I have North Macedonia. Are they actually okay. in this thing? Yeah, I, I, they're in it. I saw somebody uh, picked them to to be into the third round. No, oh, they you know what? I'll take. Um, uh, you know what? I'm gonna take Turkey. Ooh. Take the Turkish Turkins. Okay. <laughs> Turkey and North Meda- Macedonia? <laughs> what are the, uh, let's pull up the, the odds here. Do like, we know what the odds are for this? I think I'm pretty comfortable in my, saying my country is going to go farther than you guys. <laughs> I picked North Macedonia because their flag doesn't even look real. That's why I picked it. What's the flag <laughs> look like? Um, it's a yellow circle in red, and then it's got some uh, yellow sort of uh, sunbeams around the outside of the circle. I gotta check this. So, out. so Portugal is uh, nine to one. Yes, on uh, the uh, outfit that I'm looking at right now. Okay. Um, Turkey is fifty-two to one, and uh, I don't see the other team. <laughs> That's why I don't even know if they're in it. They are in it. They're definitely in it. Yeah, so they don't even have odds for that country? No. no <laughs> they're in Group they're C. Good call, John. Good call, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> yeah, what are the groups? What do the groups look like? I'm telling you, Portugal's in the group of death. Yeah, because Germany's not going to make it out, right? So France will do. France will get in. France will get in. They're the defending World Cup champs. Yeah. England just uh, just suffered a blow. Somebody's not playing, right? Right. Sweden and Spain both lost guys to COVID. Yeah. England always gets close, but then they falter. Okay. So I just don't see how they'll go. Belgium is um, is a trendy pick. Okay. France is a trendy pick, mm-hmm. obviously, because they're the world champs. Uh, Italy and England have also been there, but a lot of people are jumping on Belgium. Okay. Okay. So, just so you know, but yeah, Belgium with Denmark, Finland, and Russia. 
Yeah. So Are any of those not, teams any good? That's not a very <laughs> tough group. <laughs> I love that we're just trusting whatever Manny says. He could be totally yeah, so lying right now. We're like, North, oh, yeah. North Macedonia, Netherlands. Soccer fans know, John. Netherlands, Soccer the Ukraine, know. Austria, and North Macedonia. Say that again. It's uh, the Netherlands, yeah. the Ukraine, yeah. Austria, and North Macedonia. And how does this work? The top two teams make Top it? two teams after okay. the three-round robin advance. Okay. And then uh, Turkey's in Group A. We got Turkey. Italy, who I'm sure will advance. Turkey, Italy open the tournament. Wales and Switzerland. The Swiss will be tough. Okay. All right. Swiss will be tough. All right. I'm predicting that uh, Turkey wins Group A, uh, France wins Group F, and Germany comes in second. Oh, terrible. You guys are terrible. I thought you were my friends. (laughs) We were until this Montreal nonstop (laughs) thing that's been going all week. I hope Montreal advances and pounds it in your ass. Look, we had a good run. (laughs) And now we're joined by our special guest. Yeah, and this guy is the definition of a a hockey buff. A guy that actually can come on this show and bring some interest to the table and and actually have something to say that has fact behind it and is not going to discuss the Montreal Canadiens all friggin' half hours. Oh, he will. Oh, I know, okay. we'll get to it, we'll get to it at some point. But, uh, managing editor and head of scouting at, uh, at Dauber Prospects. Yeah, you can follow his work online, DauberProspects.com. You can follow them on Twitter, at Dauber Prospects. Or you can follow the man who runs it all, the Tony Ferrari. Please welcome to For Future Considerations, the Tony Ferrari. Welcome to the show, Tony. How you doing? I'm good. What a welcome. I feel honored. This is nice. No one introduces me this nice. Usually people are talking about a bald I am or something mean, so I like this. Anytime you walk into a room, normally there's just a cold box of pizza pizza anyway. So yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're kind of used to uh, to getting the, the disappointment walking in the room. Yeah, man. Oh, this is fun. Wait till you come back a second time. The title will be even better. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> so tony how you been uh what have you been uh, up to over the last little bit here uh and uh, and how are you watching hockey these days oh man i'm watching hockey sadly in the playoffs this year because as usual the toronto maple leafs suck and uh yeah that <laughs> happened so uh, it, it's been a little demoralizing just watch montreal run over to winnipeg and then i mean the, the vegas colorado series is always fun but no usually it's if I'm not watching the playoffs, I'm watching junior hockey and trying to catch up on some of the scouting I've missed throughout the year on because there's always someone else to be watching. So it, it's been a ton of fun. Tony, don't worry, bud. It, uh, I'm picking up John oh, Rashad really? on the bandwagon. If you want to jump on the Montreal Canadiens bandwagon, I'll pick you up too. I know where you live. It's all good. Come on board. Oh, man. <laughs> this Montreal team, it's it, it's hilarious to watch. I, I can't even complain about it. Like, why not? Let's see them go all the way so at least the Leafs can be like, yeah, we lost to the Cup champs. There's some little tiny solace in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, buy, I'll take that too. Yeah. I'll take that too. <laughs> the nice thing is the Montreal fans have been so quiet and gracious about it too. They haven't oh, been obnoxious at all. Super peaceful, just nice people in general. <laughs> yeah, we are. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So is it tough... To, to scout during the middle of the pandemic? Got to think the answer is yes. And how difficult has it been? 
it's it's yes especially this year because there was so much that was supposed to be happening around these parts uh i'm in windsor ontario like a couple of you guys and it, it's we we're supposed to have the world under 18s right over in plymouth originally and it was supposed to that that was going to be a really great opportunity to see a lot of the talent from around the world live that i i normally wouldn't get to see because going over to sweden isn't really an option for me when, when to see guys like lucas raymond or, or see the guys this year like william Eklund, jesper wallstedt so missing out on stuff like that has sucked and Get, but I'm used to doing a lot of video scouting myself because you got to do it all over the place. And, and, and to watch guys in Sweden, to watch guys on the West Coast and stuff, it, it's much, much easier to, to rely on the video. And I, I've been used to it for the last couple of years. So it was just overloading that. And I, I mean, it sucked not being in the rinks. I, I love getting to the rinks and seeing everybody talking to the scouts and talking to other people. But it, it was a weird year for sure. Definitely with uh, not getting into any rinks this year in Ontario, especially. Um, Tony, how did you get into scouting in the first place? I just really liked talking and I had a weird obsession with the draft. So I just uh, started posting stuff on Twitter and watching junior hockey. I was always always an OHL fan. Living in Windsor, I was going to the Spitfires games at the barn and stuff when I was a kid. And just all that stuff just made me love junior hockey. And uh, of course, I love the NHL as well. And the the way to mesh those two things was the draft and, and scouting these guys. So as I started writing a little bit more and I just started to focus on the draft and then eventually it just became my basically sole focus and now it's, it's what i love doing of course i watch the nhl but the junior hockey is something special like seeing these kids develop and and then three four years from now going oh yeah that's the guy i had higher than everyone else and, and no one everyone looked at me crazy back then when i ranked more at cider at seventh overall and everyone was like no there's no way he's going before 20 and and now he's the best prospect in the world so it's, it's a nice little feather in my cap i like to reference every once in a while so we welcome Tony to for future considerations to talk about the upcoming NHL draft, which will be held July 23rd and 24th after the NHL draft lottery was held last week. By the way, there wasn't really any funny business in this year's draft lottery. What did you think? Yeah, it was it was kind of something that felt like this is okay. Like no one's going to complain about this. Buffalo was Buffalo this year and I feel like saying anything more than that's an, like just an insult to those compliments because Buffalo was that bad. And in, <laughs> in Seattle, I mean, it's an expansion team. Why not give them the second overall pick, right? Like it feels it, it's going to be a good way for them to start it off because I mean, this year, this year's draft doesn't have that stud at the top or anything. So given Seattle, that, that little boost at the top, I mean, they only moved up one spot. They're getting the third odds anyways. So hey, I, I think this year's draft over draft lotteries went nice and well. No, no Detroit or Vancouver fans complaining about having to fall too far in the draft or anything. They, they got where they, they're supposed to be. Matt. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a Red Wings fan and Rashad's a Canucks fan. So um, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the show, Tony. Bull. No we'll problem, guys. Again. Are... Well, when, uh, when the 2027 uh, draft lottery happens, we, we might give you a call. Now, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of the draft lottery? What do you think of the way that it's, it's set up in, in the percentages of teams uh, or the percentage chance that the bad teams get the first overall pick? Do you like that? Would you prefer it just be worst to first? Or, or how do you want to see or ideally look at the end? NHL draft happening. My biggest thing is I hate that they tweak it every two years. It's like every two years they're like, here, let's throw this weird new wrinkle in there. Like we're going from three teams to two. Now we're going back to three. And, and like they, they have no idea what they're doing with the lottery. And they keep tweaking it because they're like, well, now something, someone else is going to win too many lotteries. Or now there's this chance. And it's getting to the point where they're basically going to end up giving everyone that doesn't make the playoffs the same odds. And it's going to be ridiculous because a team like Dallas or New York are going to get the first overall pick because it's happened in the past with the current lottery. So in my opinion, you just go like, if you want to do a lottery, sure. But 
you heavily favor those top few teams and don't move up too much. Like, I, I don't know. It seem, to me, it seems easiest just do worst to first. Teams are going to tank. Teams tank now. Teams are going to tank if, regardless of what how what lottery system you do, unless you do completely even odds. But just go worst to first. The NFL does it. NBA's lottery is a lot closer to something reasonable than this. Like, it, it's just the NHL likes to tweak things sometimes just to be stupid it seems yeah i think it uh, it's an attempt to be cute that they've overthought themselves way too many times like you said but end of the day buffalo uh wins the the draft lottery i don't think it's possible for them to have tanked because they were so bad they're just yeah. they're just losing all the time um are they considering at this point anyone other than university of michigan blue line or owen power I think they're still looking at a guy like Matthew Beneers. He's a guy that everyone's starting to get more and more stock for. Everyone's starting to really like this guy because he's performed at every tournament. He's performed at every game, and he's a center. And and the concerns around Owen Power's game and some of the flaws and some of the things that he does, especially defensively, are are starting to be exposed a little bit more among other scouts. And me personally, I haven't had Owen Power higher than five on my rankings all year. And it's because there are a lot of things that kind of – I don't like using this because a lot of people automatically assume bad, but he he reminds me a lot of Tyler Myers. There's a lot of tendencies that he has where he's leaning over heavily. He's not quite on his skates balanced and he ends up using that long reach, which works at times. But as soon as you get a forward coming down with speed and stuff, he gets burned a lot And Tyler Myers, perfectly suitable defenseman. He's, he's a guy that if he's not making what he's making in Vancouver, I think people aren't complaining about his game as much. He's a quality NHL defenseman, but is he a guy you really want at first overall when you can get, a, a really quality 1B center in Matthew Beneers. So I, I think Matthew Beneers is still the guy that most teams are, are talking about near the top if, if anyone else is going there. But I've said it all year. I wouldn't take Owen Power first overall, but I almost guarantee you he's going first overall. What about um, his play at the World Hockey Championships? Like he looked pretty good for Team Canada. Yeah, he did look really good. And I, I give him a ton of credit. And he he's moved up my rankings because of that. Like he... this. He's only in the top five now because of how good he's improved throughout the year. And I give him a ton of credit for that. But he is at the older end of, older end of the cycle, much like Matthew Beneers. So you're looking at two guys who are closer to NHL ready than someone like Jesper Wallstead or Luke Hughes, who are on the opposite end of the spectrum, where they're so young for this draft class. And we saw that a little bit last year with Byfield and Lafreniere and, and Stutzels kind of being in the middle there. So that that age gap is a is a big difference, and we all see it. Like we watch in junior hockey, a guy from his seventeen to eighteen year old year, eighteen to nineteen year old year, that one year makes a huge difference. So when guys are eleven months apart in a draft year, it you have to account for that. And I think with Owen Power, you're seeing a bit more of a finished product. You're seeing a bit more of what he's going to be, and he's not going to be able to use some of those free rangey offensive moves because. When the guy gets going in a straight line, when he gets the puck on his stick and he's rushing up ice, he's nearly unstoppable. The problem is he doesn't always know what to do when he gets there. And, and there's a lot of times he ends up in the corner kind of, what do I do? And I, I like to call it the Kasperi Kapanen effect because anyone that's watched Toronto and watched Kasperi Kapanen when he was on Toronto and even still on Pittsburgh, he'll fly up the ice at a thousand miles an hour, get in that offensive zone and find himself in the corner with nothing to do. And, and Owen Power as a defenseman does that a lot. And you love that transitional ability. You love what he can become because I think Owen Power legitimately does have maybe the highest upside in this draft class but I feel like there's a worry about rushing him and that's been my biggest concern is if you let him go back to Michigan for one year I fully endorse going top two pick with him like I have no issue with that but if you want to rush him to the NHL next year that's where I think you're going to run into problems with him 
And not to over-exaggerate the the point, but I'm interested in your take. One of the things that you mentioned about Matt Beniers a little bit earlier is the, that uh, more people are getting eyes on him. We're watching him a little bit more and, and maybe nitpicking a little too much. Do you think there's the, the possibility when you're looking at some of these guys, and especially because there's not a clear-cut number one pick, you can over-scout a little bit? Oh, for sure. I definitely think that's the case. And in, in a guy like... Uh, Luke Hughes is a perfect example of that. I think everyone saw we've watched Luke Hughes since he was 15, 16 years old playing it in, in Toronto, even like it's one of those things because of his brothers, because of all the hype around him. We've seen him for so long. So I feel like with Luke Hughes, there is some overscouting. And, and even a guy like Matthew Beneers this year, where he's getting more play, especially because Michigan played a lot of games. He went to the World Juniors. He's been at the World Championships. We're seeing him at multiple levels and he's succeeding at multiple levels. But at the same time, because we're seeing him so much, especially in a year where some guys we've only seen 15, 16 times, you're, get, you're getting the chance to go, well, I've watched 15, 16 games of Matthew Benares, and I, I've noticed this, this, and this issue. And in reality, over the long stretch, I think he's probably the most complete player in this draft. And at the moment, he's, he's number one on my board, and I, I don't really see that changing. We were talking about Buffalo, and we heard plenty of news this week about teams calling them to see if they would deal Jack Eichel or anyone else. Do you think Eichel's getting traded? Oh man, I, I I almost want him to get traded at this point. Like, I, there's all those LA deals that you hear, and <laughs> and you'd love to see him go out there and do some some fun stuff. Like, ideally, you you don't want to give up Quentin Byfield, and and I think in the NHL, the stars never get traded for their value. So I don't think the Kings would have to give give up Byfield, but maybe a Turcotte and, and a bunch of other stuff, and and that's what Buffalo gets. But man, Buffalo they, they're in a tough spot because the way Eichel's being dealt with right now, it's. The, the whole neck injury thing and, and the team not wanting things, what, whereas he's wanting the surgery and everything, it, it's a rough spot when you when you lose trust in the organization in the, in the top. And, and, and then the, the ownership just endorsing the, the, the management team as well. So it, it's like, man, it, it's a tough spot. And if I'm Jack Eichel, I'm hoping I'm getting out of there too. And it's a, it's a stretch for sure. But do you think there'd ever be the possibility that one of these players that gets selected first overall considers not reporting to a, a team like Buffalo just because they're in such disarray? Oh man, I would, I would love it. I love the drama. I want, I want to create, I want chaos. I would love to see Owen Power just be like, no, I ain't going to Buffalo, baby. That ain't happening. Like, give me some <laughs> NFL, NBA type drama. Like, that's the fun stuff. And the NHL's missing that. So I'd love to see it. So if you think power is going one, even though he's not at the top of your board, does Veneers then just fall in Seattle's lap at two? Yeah, I I think that's an awesome pick for Seattle at two. It gives them a center to kind of build around. He he's he's that guy that you can really rally a team around. He he's not necessarily going to be that number one center, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's the captain of that team in a few years. Like he's he's just that guy that you've seen him at the NTDP, you've seen him at Michigan now. He was supposed to go to an Ivy League school, Harvard, if I'm not mistaken. So he's a smart kid. I've talked to him a couple of times and he's just one of the most like cerebral, intelligent players, just breaking down play and everything. It's really impressive to listen to him talk about the game. And when you watch him play, he just plays such a smart game. In my opinion, that's the perfect like first cornerstone to start that franchise out with. And then if we keep going down the list, the uh, Anaheim Ducks are picking third. Uh, what direction do you think they would be going? They're they're a bit of a wild card. Like I could see them going anywhere, but I, I kind of see a, a Simon Edmondson. He's the guy that a lot of people have a, really high on the board. I think he's much like Owen Power, but he's not getting the same kind of love of, as Owen Power. Where they've got all the tools. He's a six foot five, two hundred and ten pound defenseman. He's he skates like the wind. He's really skilled with the puck, but 
there's a lot of like brain farts in his game and, and you go, man, what, what was that decision for? Like, where were you passing that puck to or, and stuff like that? So he's got this raw tool set that a team could just salivate over. And, and I think Anaheim's a team that would see that and go, man, we could really kind of mold this kid because they've, they've been successful molding defensemen in the past. So you get a guy with this kind of package and who knows what he could become. And then at number four, the New Jersey Devils, uh, what do they need and what do you think they'll get? Uh, they could use pretty much anything. I think a lot of people want a defenseman there. It's it's a it's a franchise kind of building still, really raw, and, and people think they're ahead of where they are, and I think they're still a few pieces away. But the player I see going there, and, and I've said this basically all year, is because knowing New Jersey is going to get a high pick, is William Eklund. Uh, played for your garden in the SHL with their pick last year, Alexander Holtz. All year long, they played in the same exact line. They're best friends. Uh, William Eklund, when I I did an interview with him earlier this year, and he just glowing review of, of Alexander Holtz. So like seeing that combination, the co- chemistry they've developed in Sweden over the years, seeing that combination go to the New Jersey Devils, I think it'd be a ton of fun pairing those two guys with a guy like Jack Hughes, who's just a, a ridiculous playmaker. And, and you see those three guys develop on a line together over the next few years, and it could become one of the best lines in the NHL. Columbus picks fifth. They went off the board in last year's first round. What about this year's draft? Uh, I don't know where off the board they could go. I think it'd be fun to see them go crazy, but I, I see Luke Hughes there. Like He's a guy that I think a lot of teams really love the package. He's such a smooth skater. He's bigger than both of his brothers. He's six foot one. Uh, he, he's got the skating that, like his brothers. It might not be quite as dynamic and the skill level isn't quite as high as Quinn, but he's got a lot of the tools. And, and like I mentioned earlier, he's super, super young for the draft class. He's not, he's a guy that you, you see a ton of runway for. You don't even worry about the injury that he got towards the end of the year. It, it's something that he's going to recover from. If I'm not mistaken, he's already been skating for just over uh, about three weeks now. So it's going to be one of those things where I think he's going to be fine for training camp. He's going to go have a great year at Michigan next year. And then you get him in the lineup the year after that, maybe. And and man, I think the sky's the limit with that kid. He's probably defenseman outside of ah, like this, this defenseman group at the top is so weird, but he, he might have the highest upside out of all of them. Wow. No, that's big. Uh, at number six is Detroit. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm a Wings fan, and, and I want to take this in a different direction here. I, I do have my eye on the goaltender, on Jesper Wallstadt. Uh, I know there's hesitancy to draft a goaltender very high. I want to get your opinion on on why that is. Um, would the Wings take a goaltender at six? Uh, if not, where would Wallstadt go, and which angle would the Red Wings go? Man, that's the pick right there. Jesper Wallstadt. I, I think this kid's ridiculously talented. Um, I, I think teams are, are going to start realizing it. Like, you can pick a goaltender a little bit earlier because goaltending scouting is getting better. Teams are starting to employ goalie specific scouts, former goalies and stuff like that, that are, are able to actually identify things in goalies that, that prove that, Hey, you can develop this kid. This kid's got potential. And I think with Jesper Wallstedt, much like Yaroslav Askarov and Spencer Knight the years before, this kid's an elite level prospect. I've said all year, if there's a, a player that's going to change a franchise in this draft, it's going to be Jesper Wallstead. There, He's the only player I think can get on that Lafreniere, Jack Hughes level of, of franchise altering talent. That That is ho- something that you can truly build around. Um, I, I think Jesper Wallstead's the most technically sound junior goaltender I've ever seen. And I, I shouldn't even call him a junior goaltender because he's been playing pro part parts of last year and then completely this year like he's a a, a ridiculously sound goaltender um i don't generally make comparisons especially with goalies but he reminds me so much of henrik lundquist he plays a little bit more out of his net than hank but man the the technicality the the never panic attitude it's just incredible to watch like 
I've said it for for a while now that he's the best goalie prospect in the last three years, including Knight Naskarov. And we just watched what Spencer Knight did. So teams are realizing, hey, you're getting a goalie at six, seven, eight, nine, ten in the draft. You're probably waiting a year and a half, two years on that player, anyways. The goalies are getting there that quick now, at least the elite level ones. We've seen Carter Hart get there early. Spencer Knight last year. Yaroslav Askarov has been playing pro for three years. Jesper Wallstedt for two. Like These guys are more NHL ready than, than ever before, really. So uh, I'm endorsing drafting a goalie as high as possible. He's number four on my board. And honestly, I, I'd love to move him up even more. Like I just don't have the courage to put him at number one because <laughs> he really is that guy. Like if, if there's a guy that's changing a franchise, it's him. And then we'll jump from six down to nine, my Vancouver Canucks. Who do you see them targeting? Man, there's a lot of ways they can go. The one guy I really like there, though, is Brant Clark. The, the kid is just so, so insanely talented and cerebral. Like, I remember talking to him earlier this year, and one of the things I asked was, how, how did you adjust to playing in Slovakia this year? And he said the biggest thing for him was realizing he didn't have to adjust. His teammates had to adjust to him because the way they played there, they'd have four guys come back in the defensive zone with Clark kind of retrieving an empty forecheck, just getting the dump in. And he'd be like, guys, move up the ice. We need to push the pace. We like, he was taking a leadership role on that team. And, and that's really impressive considering the language barrier and everything. And, and then just his raw ability. We saw his, him at the world under 18s. He arguably should have been the best defenseman there. He was just ridiculous the entire tournament. And the offensive IQ, the, the, the defensive play, it's, it's a work in progress. But I think every defenseman kind of at this age, for the most part, is a work in progress. But he's got all of the tools that you'd like to see. His skating stride is the one thing people love to, to harp on. But he's functional. It's not the prettiest thing in the world. And we saw this with Cole Perfetti last year where it wasn't the prettiest skating stride. It wasn't the best thing you've ever seen on, from a skater. But Brent Clark is mobile in all four directions. It, it looks a little funky, but it's, it works. Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects is our guest on For Future Considerations. You can follow Tony on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari and at Dauber Prospects. Going to mention a couple other names here that uh, are high on a number of draft boards. Dylan Gunter, uh, as well as Kent Johnson, another Michigan man. Where do you think they go? Do they are they in your top ten? Uh, they are. Kent Johnson in in a mock draft I think falls right just outside. I think he's the 11th guy on my board. Yeah, he's the 11th guy on my board. I think he's insanely talented. I've, I've joked around all year that he's he's the NHL 21 player in this draft. You you watch the kids play the NHL game and, and you watch them just do all this ridiculous stuff that would never actually work in hockey. Well, he's capable <laughs> of doing that at, at the NCAA level. He's capable of doing that at the BCHL level. But a lot of the problem is he doesn't play at a huge a high pace. He plays very individualized hockey, even though he's such a skilled playmaker. He tries to do everything on his own right till the end of the play. And, and that's not going to work at the NHL level. I think... The skill set, the tools are all there. He's a little bit smaller, so some teams are going to be a little bit concerned about that. I'm not really worried about that, but I'm worried about him being able to kind of keep up in the NHL because he has all the tools in the world. He's got the skill. He's got the. He's got a really underrated shot, and his playmaking ability, like I said, is, is pretty ridiculous. But, man, there's that, like, man, you got to get yourself out of the video game. Like, this is real hockey. Like, you got to play at an NHL pace and, and an NHL kind of, not necessarily system, because I love the creativity, but you got to kind of, Put, put yourself in something because you can't just free range all over the ice at all times. And Dylan? Oh, and, and Dylan Genther, I think he's a really good player. I think there was a while where I feel like he was getting so overrated at the start of the season. And it's because 
in that WHL East division, it was really bad. Edmonton was really the only good team um, that the division was terrible. And he was lighting it up at over two points a game. Like it was ridiculous, the, the stuff he was doing, but a lot of it was on the power play. So I, I kind of had my concerns. He's been eight, nine, 10 on my board all year. And, and that's kind of where I see him going. A team like LA, I think he would be a great fit for you get him next to a guy like Quentin Byfield. And I think that's a great setup. Like Dylan Genther is that guy that can kind of do it all, but he's got a really ridiculous shot when he when he gets a hold of the puck. And a guy like Quentin Byfield dishing him the puck, I mean, LA'd be laughing for a while. One of the things that I always found fascinating uh, with with your type of role and, and the way that uh, that you do um, lay things out on, on Dauber prospects, what does the war room look like for you guys when you're putting your draft list together? How long does that process take? Just walk us through the development of where you come from your draft list. Well, my draft list myself is I have my own thing throughout the year where I'm constantly keeping track of things and I have a a big spreadsheet where I'm moving guys around and and all that stuff. And I do that myself individually as well. And then for the website's rankings, we have a draft team. I think there's 14 of us this year and everyone's kind of got their own regions, but everyone does cross scouting as well because you want to make sure you have an idea of, okay, if, if Matthew Beneers is this good. I want to see how good the players in my region are up against him. So use him as a base, kind of use him to bounce things off of or or a different guy like Owen Power, whoever. But the process is fun. Like we have a big Slack group. We're always constantly sending messages to each other, asking about guys, just having little side discussions. And then once once a month we get together and we talk for usually an hour, an hour and a half just over like a zoom call and stuff. And then when we get the big meeting, whenever we have a ranking coming out, we're going to be having one coming out towards the end of the month or start of July. We have like two days sometimes or a big day of like four and a half hours of just in a zoom call, hashing it out. We, we going through everybody working from one to a hundred usually, and, and just building that list out. And beforehand we have everyone kind of put in some ranges for where they'd like to see guys and stuff. So we have a base list of where guys are going to be. And then once we go into that meeting, it's just no holds barred. Everyone's kind of selling out for their guy or, or saying why someone shouldn't be up high or someone should be up high. It's a fun time. Like I, I, That's one of my favorite things to do every year because it is so interesting to see a, a group put a ranking together because, like I said, I do my own and I don't have to fight with anyone when I want to say, hey, Fabian Liesel is a guy that I think should be in the top five, even though he's probably going to get drafted in the 15 range. It, so I can put that guy up there. But when I get in that meeting, I have to justify it. I have to give reasons for it. And, and everyone else has to do the same. And it's, it's a ton of fun. And just the different personalities, you can tell who likes what kind of different player. And it, it's a ton of fun to kind of get that thing together and i mean it's it's one of my favorite things of the year yeah it doesn't sound like you enjoy it at all (laughs) yeah i know eh? (laughs) what what about the evaluation process so how are you as an eval as a talent evaluator watching a kid at the university of michigan watching a kid uh, playing junior hockey in the whl watching a kid in sweden playing that's in a, a pro league how do you go through the evaluation yourself of saying this guy is better than this guy is better than this guy is not as good as this guy based on the different levels of play the different people teams that they're playing the different leagues that they're in Um, just walk me through that a little bit I think the big thing is you have to kind of set a standard for yourself early on and you you tweak it every year and you tweak it as you go throughout the year and stuff but for for me personally like I I do value pro play a lot and I value NCAA play as well in in, depending on the junior league like there I value the OHL over the QMJHL I think the QMJHL is vastly overrated and it shouldn't be 
nearly as, as revered as it is because we see a lot more busts come out of that league than, than any of the other three and the other few in Canada. And I think the USHL on, on the other end of things is completely underrated. I think there's a lot more players that should be coming out of the USHL and we're seeing them come from teams other than Chicago in the national team development program. We're seeing guys like Ayrton Martina play out in Omaha and, and different guys like Matthew Knees out in Tri-City. And, and these guys are starting to get scouted a little bit more. But in terms of just how, how you kind of differentiate guys, it's, it's a really long process. I think th- there's value in getting as many views on these guys as you can because when you're watching a guy like Simon Edmondson who played at the, the junior level in Sweden and played at the pro level in Sweden and then played at the second tier level in Sweden at the pro level, you, you see a guy across three levels and you kind of get a read for where he fits best and, okay, he should be in this league in the middle. And, and then Owen Power, you're like, man, he's really good in the NCAA. And, and here are the flaws that could get exposed at the NHL level because – you see a forward come down on him and not make that move to the outside because they don't have the speed that an NHL player has. And and then when they do see a guy go to the outside, you go, oh, like maybe Owen Power isn't quite as good at defending that outside rush and stuff like that. And then in the, the same same vein, a guy like Kent Johnson, who, like I said, all the skill in the world, he's a video game, though. Like you you got to be able to translate what you're doing to the NHL. And, and that's where I think a, a lot of scouts, especially in the public, like, Twitter sphere and stuff like that. And all the, on all a lot of these websites, I, I keep having scouts tell me, Oh, I don't watch the NHL that much. And for me, that that's a major disadvantage. People are putting themselves at because in order to know what's going to work at the NHL, you have to know what works at the NHL. So you have to watch the teams play. And I think that's where I find value in watching teams like Colorado, Vegas, Toronto, even before the playoffs, because they're generally good in the regular season. Um, and, and now like you're watching teams like Montreal and, and, and you go, okay, well, what's working for them? Like what's going on? And, and then you dig in some of the, some of the numbers and you see some of the, the thing, the numbers being inflated and, and Carey Price is playing on his head as well. And you go, okay, well you can't count on Carey Price playing on his head, but what's working for all these other guys? How are they scoring and, and all this stuff? And you, you bring all these things to do an evaluation and it, man, it, I wish there was a calculation because that'd be super easy, but there, you got to kind of balance doing analytics and balance doing the video scouting. And, and you, the way I always look at it is I go, okay, if Austin Matthews is coming down on this defenseman, what do I think Austin Matthews is going to do? And how is that defenseman going to react? And, and for, for forwards, Hey, if this forward's coming up on Shea Weber or Zidane Chara, or Victor Hedman, how are they going to react when he goes for a poke check or he goes to take the body? Are they going to be able to get out of that situation? What tools are they going to have that are going to translate even if the skill level doesn't necessarily. And you got to look at all those things. And I think it's a really interesting process and everyone has a different process. And that's, that's the cool thing about it. You mentioned that you change things up a little bit from year to year, your process. How have you changed how you evaluate players and traits since you started? And um, have you noticed any traits that are becoming more and more important for NHL teams? Well, I think the big thing that I've changed, the, the two big things I've changed is last summer, I completely spent just studying goaltending because I felt as much as confident as I was in Yaroslav Askarov. I knew with Jesper Wallstedt coming up and there's always goalies coming down the pipeline. That's a specialized position. That's not something I, I've played ever myself. So I can't tell you all the details of it. So I went in the summer and I read books and I watched YouTube videos and I, I, I watched goalie classes online and stuff like that just to learn some of the intricacies. And I think that scouts that that try to learn and try to learn these things that's where you gain the value and that's where you gain your edge and then for me one of the things with skaters is especially this year i've started to value pace so much more because you see so many players that have this incredible skill level or this incredible ability to, to change the play at the junior level or the college level or even the european pro levels 
but they don't play with the, the NHL pace. The NHL is a very fast league. It, it might be the fastest league in the world where guys are going a, a thousand miles a minute. And, and then you have guys like Tom Wilson just blowing you up. So you have to be able to play at that high pace. And when you're sitting there and, and this is my biggest concern with a guy uh, I'm going to reference is Kent Johnson is he can stick handle on a phone booth, that, but that phone booth isn't moving. So that you're all good and well, but you're a standing target. And that's, that's a big concern at the NHL level because guys don't hold up guys. Don't, let you not get hit like you're going to go into the corner and you're going to get leveled by a guy like that and if you're not able to kind of think on your feet and move quickly and and you don't necessarily need to be the fastest player but you need to play at a fast pace you need to think at a fast pace and i think that's the biggest thing that i've changed over the last couple years but especially this year you're going to see any trades before the draft happens next month Oh, I'm sure we're going to see a few, especially with the, the expansion draft. Teams are going to be dealing with Seattle. I think I, I wouldn't be shocked to see if Seattle gets a couple extra first round picks. We saw Vegas had three their first year. And with Seattle having that second overall pick, I think we could see another pick in the top 15 even maybe. Maybe uh, I, I don't know what team may necessarily, but you, I definitely see trades with Seattle. I, I don't know about other teams. Maybe Toronto does something crazy or, or maybe someone else that's been disappointed this year does something ridiculous. But I, I think the draft is going to be where a lot of stuff goes down, but I, I don't know about top 15 picks getting traded unless it's to Seattle. You being down in Windsor, I think you're like Matt and I, like we wish we could have gone to the University of Michigan to watch some hockey games, especially with Beneers and Power and Johnson. Like that team was stacked. It would have been a great to see them live. Yeah, like I'm over in Plymouth a lot usually when when the borders open and and I, I go over there. I see that NCDB team play. I, I I'm in. That's probably the rink I'm in most outside of the WFCU. So with Michigan being so close and that that Yost Arena, and I, I went there a few times last year just to watch. And man, it, it's such a fun environment. It's such a great great rink. And seeing three high end draft prospects plus all the guys that just came in like Thomas Bordalo and all these other freshmen like it was a ridiculous team like they were really really good and it was unfortunate the way their season ended because of covid protocol but they were going to be one of those teams that was competing for the national championship and and just seeing three freshmen just really be important pieces that are all draft eligible it would have been a ton of fun and you loved Cole Caulfield, right? Oh, oh yeah, geez, I love Cole go. Caulfield. He was don't fine. answer, Tony. <laughs> yeah, don't, no, he's, he's so he's, good. He's roping you in here. Yeah, no. he hasn't so sung, good. He hasn't sung that say. stupid song in the last thirty-five minutes. <laughs> no, that, I gotta, I gotta give Cole Caulfield credit. I love that kid. He's just so <laughs> fun. He's so fun. Watching him jump into Mark Bergevin's arms like a child the other day it was just the best thing I've ever seen. He disappeared and in the And he pile. is a child, so it's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he's just this wee little fella doing fun stuff at the NHL level. You can't hate that. I got one last one for you, Tony. I know uh, scouting half of the uh, the battle with scouting, or probably even more than that, is learning from the past, uh, going back and evaluating uh, where you went right, where you went wrong. What's the worst prospect that you've had as far as high rankings that turned out to be a bust? Ooh, the worst one I've had. I don't know. I'll tell you the worst one I was I was hard on though. That's that's uh, Connor McMichael. I don't know what it was. His draft year, I just I hated everything I watched from him. And I, <laughs> I I ranked him like sixty sixth or something like that. And I was like, no, like, and I was definitely like the only person outside of even like the top 35 like, which and, and it was like one of those things where i was like i don't know why this is where i'm staking my poll and he's done nothing but completely embarrass me now because everywhere <laughs> he goes he's been awesome so I, I i definitely learned to not undervalue a london knight so 
Well, and that's why you did it. He played for the Knights, and you're from Windsor. So Absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely a vendetta. Yeah, no, no one's going to fault you for that. Hey, but you were high on cider, so that's good. Yeah, that, that's the one guy I, I definitely hang my hat on. It's Moritz Sider. He was the guy I, I was super high on in his draft year that everyone thought I was crazy for. So I, I'll take the credit there. Tony, I appreciate the time we all do. And uh, we'll ha- get to have you back on maybe after the draft to see how everything went. Yeah, sounds good, guys. Our thanks again to Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects. Great interview, great insight into scouting. Uh, yeah, he enjoys it a little bit. Eh? Uh, can you, can you tell, listening to him talk? He, you can really tell that this is something that he eats, breathes, sleeps, mm-hmm. scouting hockey. Do you like your picks for your teams, Canucks and Wings? He likes Jesper. Yeah. For for the Wings, which I think makes sense for them to th- take a goal. I think it makes sense. I hope. He he drops uh, there, and, and nobody tries to grab him uh, ahead of time. Um, at this point, with with what the Red Wings have in their system and what's coming up, there's a very big, large, gaping hole in one of those positions. I'd be disappointed if he's there and he's not selected. What about you, John? Do you think the Canucks should take a defenseman or a forward at nine? Oh, I think they need defense. They really need defense. That that defense this past season did not look like an NHL defense to me. So I'd really like to see a good, strong defenseman. So it'll be interesting to see what plays out. We got five weeks before the draft, and we'll be talking more about the draft before it actually takes place here on For Future Considerations. Yeah, and if you want to follow uh, some of Tony's stuff, outstanding stuff on DauberProspects.com. You can also follow their work on Twitter at uh, DauberProspects. You can also follow Tony on Twitter at TheTonyFerrari. And don't forget, if you missed our debate show earlier this week, you can go back and have a listen and let us know what you think about your opinions and share yours. We love hearing your opinions as well. Yeah, how far will the Montreal Canadiens go? Woo! <laughs> Play the song again, Rashad. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you can send us an email at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. Let us know who else you want to hear from on the show, maybe other than Montreal Canadiens yeah, talk. Can we get any Habs fans on? Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> Follow us on social media as well. Find out what's happening in the world of sports at Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram on Facebook at For Future Considerations. We want to thank our sponsors, Christina and Dennis at London Awnings, Quality That Shows. And Shane Topolovic, Next Level Athletics, specializing in sport training and nutrition. And thank you for tolerating Manny and enjoy your weekend and thanks for listening to For Future Considerations. Woo! That was a disgraceful performance in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful, their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.